Welcome to A Flame for Christ, homilies to set your hearts on fire with love for Jesus Christ. My name is Father Joseph Gill, the priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you've joined us on Ordinary Time 14. In today's second reading, St. Paul contrasts two things that seem to be opposites, the body and the soul, the flesh and the spirit. But are they really opposites? And what is the relationship between the body and the soul? St. Paul kind of refers to it almost as if it were a war. And yet, how is it really a war? Let's dive into that relationship by backing up all the way to the second century. So almost immediately after Christianity was founded, there was a heresy that was also founded named Gnosticism. And Gnosticism was dualistic, which meant that it saw a rather sharp kind of uh, uh, God and and anti-God, as it were. In Gnosticism, they believed that God, the true God, created the spiritual world, but that the devil, or the anti-God, the demigod, created the physical world, including our bodies, which meant that the physical world, in their view, was evil. Well, when this heresy came about, the church very vehemently and very strongly rejected it, because the church has always believed from the very beginning that the body was good. The body is very good. It's created by God. In fact, throughout history, we've seen saints who have taken care of the needs of the body because the body is good. You know, I think of St. Elizabeth of Hungary, for example, the queen who would take bread from the palace to go and feed the hungry bellies of the poor in her town. I think of people like St. Camillus de Lellis, who spent his life serving the sick, or uh, St. Mother Teresa, who herself would bring uh, the dying into a comfortable bed where they can live and die in peace. And so if these saints are willing to take care of the body, then clearly the body itself is not bad. It's very good. But our bodies are not our own to do whatever we want with it. There's sometimes a current in modern world to kind of believe that the bodies are just a tool that we can manipulate, or even worse, that it's a prison that kind of imprisons our real self, our true self. But our true self is not distinct from our body. In fact, listen to the words of Pope John Paul II from The Theology of the Body. He says, The body expresses the person. The body expresses the person. See, we don't just have bodies as if like I have a pair of clothes that I can take off and put on. Rather, we are bodies. We are embodied souls as part of what it means to be human. So our bodies are what makes incarnate our humanity. It's how we live out in three dimensions what it means to be a person. So the body is not a tool that we can manipulate in any way we wish. Rather, the body is a gift from God. And therefore, we have an obligation to take care of it. We're stewards, not owners of our bodies. So we take care of it with good eating, for example, or proper rest, healthy exercise. Now, one can take this to the extreme and enter into what John Paul II calls the cult of the body. That's when people spend far too much energy on the body and not enough on the soul. A perfect example of that I was recently reading was a tech tycoon by the name of Brian Johnson, who's worth billions, and so he spends about $2 million a year on a team of 30 doctors that try to keep him looking and acting and feeling like he was about 18 years old. Now, the guy's in his upper 40s at this point. That would be a little bit extreme. $2 million a year? Yeah, that's probably a little overboard, right? So it's a balance. We take care of a body, but we don't deify our body either. Rather, I think we ought to give thanks to God for how God made us too. You know, whether he made us male or female, whether he made us tall or short, large or small, with a full head of hair or going bald, God doesn't make mistakes. And so we rejoice and we thank God for the blessings of how he made us in our flesh. We remember too that our flesh is temporary, 
as good as it is, it's going to fade away, but we're going to receive it back in a glorified form at the end of time. We've preached that every single week in the creed, that I believe in the resurrection of the body. So our bodies are necessary to be a fully human person. Now, despite all of this talk about the goodness of the body, we also have to realize that the body, like all of creation, is fallen. It's subject to original sin. And there's an effect of original sin that very much impacts the body called concupiscence. And concupiscence basically means the desire to do that which is harmful to us, disordered desires, right? You know, a perfect example of that is going to an all-you-can-eat restaurant. Because if you're like me, you go to an all-you-can-eat restaurant and you get plate after plate after plate of food, you know, until you're like buttons are popping off, you're so stuffed, it's amazing. And then you look up and you see the pie table. And you realize, wow, I haven't been to the pie table. I've got to go to the pie table. But you know that in doing so, it's going to hurt. You know that there's going to be pain. You might physically explode. Like, this is really bad for you. But what do we do? We do it anyway. Because of concupiscence, we desire things that we know are harmful to us. We have these disordered desires that are not ordered to our happiness or to our holiness. And that's what it is. It's the weakness of will by which our disordered desires have mastery over us. You see, the flesh is meant to be a servant of the soul, not vice versa. But because of concupiscence, we find it quite the opposite, which is why we're drawn to to disordered desires like too much food, too much alcohol, maybe too much sleep at the wrong time, sexual pleasure outside of marriage, addictions to social media, comfort when we need to be sacrificing, avoiding the necessary sufferings of our vocation, right? All of us find that our flesh has fallen. And sometimes we try to use that excuse, oh, well, yeah, but this is how God made me. He made me with these desires. No, he didn't make you with those desires. He made you with good and holy desires that became corrupted through original sin. And as human beings, we have the ability to master our desires and to order them properly. So our first desire really should be for God and for his glory. And then we should desire the well-being of our neighbor. And then third, we should desire pleasure, money, you know, the things of this world, and just for us, right? But it has to be rightly ordered. Unfortunately, we live in a topsy-turvy world where our desires are disordered. They're not in the proper order. And that's why St. Paul talks about the flesh being in battle, being fighting against, really, the spirit. Not because the flesh is bad, but because the flesh is rebellious and needs to be submitted to the soul, to the spirit. So how do we do that? How do we grow in this self-mastery? Well, consider the example of somebody who perhaps is proficient in martial arts, maybe a karate, black belt. You know, their hands have the ability to high-five, to hug, to, to give a handshake. And also their hands can be registered as weapons in several jurisdictions in America, right? So how do you discipline the, work, the use of their hands? Well, two things. First, they have to learn their art and learn it well. They have to study what it means to do karate, what it means to do jujitsu, learn the history, learn the techniques, learn how just the art works. And once they have that intellectual knowledge, then the second step is to practice, to put it into practice through discipline over and over and over again until it becomes second nature, until their hands are so completely as part of their soul that they're able to do incredible things with it, like breaking boards. So let's parallel that to the Christian life, right? So we have to first form our minds. We first have to learn what it is that glorifies God in our bodies. So we study the scriptures and we study the perennial teaching of the church found in the catechism of the Catholic faith. That's where we learn about how we can best use our body to glorify him. But once we've done that, then the next step 
is to discipline ourselves by practicing. First, practicing virtue, and secondly, practicing mortification, self-denial. Because if I can deny myself a chocolate bar, it becomes easier to deny myself some sort of pleasure that I shouldn't have, some sort of illicit pleasure, maybe too much drinking or looking at bad images on the internet. So we need to have that self-mastery because the will is like a muscle. And the more we use the will, the stronger it will become. And that's ultimately the fight is what will be stronger, your will or your body, your physical desires or your spiritual desires, which is hopefully for God and holiness in heaven. And so we need to strengthen our spiritual desires so much that we have our physical desires under control. Not that they're bad, they're not bad, but they're out of control. They're, they're rebellious, and we need to put them under control and have an ordered life. And here's the key. We can't do this on our own. This is not just a white knuckle, oh, I'm not going to drink anymore, oh, I'm not going to overeat anymore. No, we can't do this on our own. We need God's grace to do it. So we need to submit our souls to God and say, Lord, I need you. And then once our souls are submitted, then our bodies will also follow suit. Because the goal that, uh, that Christ wants for us is freedom. Not the freedom to do whatever we want, the freedom of self-mastery, whereby everything is rightly ordered in our life. And that's what true freedom consists in, because that's freedom from excellence, freedom for excellence, not just freedom from limitations. So we submit our bodies to our souls, and hopefully we submit our souls to Christ. Christ. 